Yes, welcome on into the first edition ever of the live edition of Village Vice. I'm Zach Blackerby. He is Brad Law. And boy, do we have a lot of Auburn scoring to talk about today, Brad. We do. Uh, in fact, if we spent one minute on every point that Auburn scored, we'd be here nearly an hour. I don't think we're going to quite do that. But yeah, Auburn was awfully impressive offensive yesterday, as we hoped, as we expected. Yeah, Titans delivered. Is is Robbie Ashford? Um, is Robbie Ashford's, I guess, presence in the red zone? Is that the biggest storyline coming out of it? Because the biggest storyline going into it was what's the quarterback situation going to look like? Yeah, and it sounds like uh, I mean Robbie with his three touchdowns on the ground. That um, yeah. That's a good uh, good way to make a statement for sure. In the first half, when the game was still, you know, 50, 59 points is one thing. 31 sure. and essentially the first 25 minutes of the game is huge. And we talked Thursday before the game about how Robbie would be utilized. That's one of the big storylines coming out of this game. And you free said they needed him to win games. He was going to have a role. He obviously responded well and then delivered in the game. Yeah. Offensive line made made a path for him and and he, you know, he connected. Hugh Freeze talked about it in his post-game presser that there's more they can do when he's in the game, which isn't a surprise. And yeah. there was a few calls that looked like passes. One I believe was called back. The other was just kind of a quick throw to, you know, the far left wide receiver. And then I think it was the third touchdown run, Brad. It looked like a rollout that was supposed to be a pass, and he just kept it, uh, which was clearly the right move. That's why he did it. So I think that's enough to put on film where Cal this week has to focus on several different things. I, I don't think the offense is extremely limited when Robbie's there. I think the way it was handled, with the exception of some of the timing aspects, sometimes when they switch the quarterbacks, they'd have to call a timeout. Obviously, in a closer game, that'd be a bigger deal than it was on Saturday. But outside of that, the way they juggled the quarterbacks, I I loved it. And I'm not normally a two-quarterback system kind of guy, but what he did in the red zone, I mean, I, I think it was pretty undeniable how effective that can be. And some of that is to the credit of the offensive line, and we'll talk about them a little more in depth here in a minute, but you're right. Um, what they asked him to execute to a large degree, he executed successfully if you'll go back and watch or, or as you go back and you watch the game um there were there was a little hiccup on his first drive uh he got into the game Auburn eventually had to settle for a for a field goal on that drive but there was a first or second down play the give goes to Damari up the middle it's a it's his own read if Rivaldo Fairweather gets over to the left side of the offensive line to, to get the guy coming from the right side of the defensive line for UMass. And if he's there one second quicker mm. and Robbie pulls it, that's the only guy that has to be blocked. He's Fairweather's guy. That's a walk-in touchdown for, for Auburn on that drive. And they go two for two in the end zone in the first two drives of the game. So, yeah, yeah I, I think there's still a lot that you can see from the Robbie red zone package. But what we saw were, you know, it was plenty electric enough. Yeah, and I want to talk more about the tight ends and Rivaldo Fairweather in a little bit, Brad, because I think there's some interesting angles we could possibly do with their lack of action. Mm -hmm. 
and none of them really scored particularly well when you look at analytics. So we'll talk about that in a second. But as far as Robbie's role in the offense, is, is this, I don't think three touchdowns a game sustainable, or if it is, I mean, boy, what an incredible season that would be for everyone. I think we'd all be happy with that. But the the impact, is it going to be the same when they play a cow? when they go to Texas A&M or when they host a Georgia because Robbie's faster than everyone there. He's not necessarily going to be that much faster than everybody when they get into, you know, power five competition and obviously specifically the sec. I don't think Cal's defense is certainly the strength of their team. Yeah. We'll talk about that later in the week, but I just wonder when there's more information on how they're going to use Robbie, could it possibly slow down the effectiveness of these Robbie Ashford packages? Yeah, it's a good question. And yeah. something know. something that we have to remember is that a college football season, you know, TV shows are broken down in a couple of different ways. You can have a an episodic TV show where one episode to the next doesn't really have, one doesn't have anything to do with the next. It's not an ongoing serial storyline. And the other is a serial storyline where one builds on another and it builds on another and the story builds throughout the, the course of the show or the course of the season. Sure. A, a football season, I think one of the things we love about it psychologically is that it's both. Each game can be a game in and of itself and it can stand alone, but it's also a part of a story that builds throughout the season. And depending on the opponent's strengths, depending on what adjustment an opponent can make defensively, yeah. Um, all those things impact either in preparation or as the game's playing out. I, I think what they will ask Robbie and other players to do as this season goes on. But because of the point you made, Zach, not to be too long-winded about this, but because of the point you made, he's faster than everybody. He's more athletic than everybody else on the field. He will be in Berkeley, and he will be in the majority of the games Auburn plays this year. And it's all about finding where the leverage is, where the numbers are, where the advantage is when he's on the field. Sure, sure. As far as other quarterbacks play, let's talk about the starter, Peyton Thorne. That first drive, Brad, and they needed Demari Austin to save it on that third and two, and then ultimately he would end up scoring, I think, two plays later. But the way Peyton looked on that first drive, everything looked so crisp. It mm -hmm. looked clinical. And when Peyton was dealing, and some of the throws he made, it's like, boy, um, and, and there was just a few things that Peyton did that I don't know if I've really seen a whole lot from Auburn quarterbacks. And yes, let's add the caveat. The caveat is assumed for the, the rest of this show. Yes, it's UMass. We understand that. But the way he moved in the pocket on a few different plays, like the presence and just kind of feeling the heat that was coming behind him and he would take two steps and kind of duck and make a move and then deliver the ball. Like, I don't know if, I, I don't remember too many Auburn quarterbacks doing that. I mean, it, it, it's all about just, okay, yep, Bo Nix is running to his right, or Jarrett Stidham's running to his right, or, you know, Robbie or TJ's running to the right and throwing off their back foot. Haven't really seen a Auburn quarterback move that way in the pocket. And so that was, that was a really, really fun sight to see. Yeah, I agree. And again, a lot of that credits to the offensive line, but that is the poise that's the experience of Peyton Thorne showing to a degree. It's also, I think, you, ha you have to give some credit to the coaching staff of instilling the confidence, instilling yeah. belief in the plan. And when we talk about the first drive and how precise everything looked, 
That's a function as first drives are. And you saw it with UMass's first drive too. Uh, we have a whole off season to decide what we're going to implement. The mm -hmm. first game is so sharp. It's so crisp. Some of the Auburn defensive players talked about this in the locker room after the game about that first UMass drive. And you got that first drive of the season. You're, it's going to be as crisp as any drive is all year long. And again, the Auburn coaches have had a plan. They've had it on the recruiting trail. Uh, they've had it in their, you know, even in, in talks with uh, donors and influential people with the program. And there's a plan here. And the offense executed it precisely on the first drive. Yeah, it was great. It was great. And then just the guys that they put out there, the trust that Peyton seems to have in Jay Fair, which one of our commenters, uh, Terry, said Jay Fair is the truth. Yeah. I'm with you. He had a certainly had a great game. And then Javarius Johnson, the two slot guys are the guys mm -hmm. kind of getting a big chunk of the yards through the receiving game for Auburn, which is great. I think Shane Hooks will come into his own over the course of it. He had a couple of moments where it's like, yep, that's what we've been talking about and hearing about and and uh, seeing to some extent in our, in our viewing windows at practice. Yeah. But it's just going to take time, I think, for some of these guys to come in. But Jay Fair seems to be Peyton's first look consistently, consistently, Brad, um, when he was given the chance to, to go to Jay Fair. He certainly did. And, and it paid off. It was, a, it was a good move pretty much every time. Well, again, it's another example of listen to what the coaches are telling you. They're not going to tell you one thing and then it, it's something different. And all you've heard fall camp is Jay Fair's had a great fall camp. And I think we maybe to a degree say, all right, well, fine. But but let's watch Shane Hooks. Or, all right, let's watch Jair Shorter. Okay, let's watch Rivaldo Fairweather. No, it's Jay Fair that had the, the that the coaches praised from start to finish in fall camp. He was the guy who got the first pass from Peyton Thorne. Yeah start the game and, and kind of get him settled in. So they went to him in short situations. They went to him down the field, versatile receiver, and uh, a guy who's really locked in to start the season. By the way, keep commenting. We're going to talk about these as we go along uh, here in this first live edition of Village Vice. Absolutely. Uh, all right, so Jay Fair was targeted seven times. He caught five. Javarius Johnson was targeted four times, and of course he caught all four, Brad. Malcolm Johnson was targeted twice. Caught both. Those were uh, from Holden Gurner. Yeah. Shane Hooks targeted six times. He only caught two of them. So the intention to involve Shane Hooks in the offense is there. It just didn't always happen. And so mm -hmm. we'll, we'll see. And then they, they stuck their best corner on him and they followed him. I talked about, I predicted that last week uh, on the show. And that's, uh, that's exactly what happened. Damari also was targeted once. He caught it. Uh, Caleb Burton was targeted twice. He did not hall in a reception and then camden brown tyler from and amari kelly were targeting once they didn't have a catch so yeah. the effort was there to get it to jay fair and then jane hooks and then javaris johnson which were three guys that we kind of predicted would happen yeah. and a lot of people did it's not just us but i think um i think the numbers will come for shane hooks because he was second in the, on the team in targets i think it's important to point out Yes. And now watch now watch what happens. Does Cal defensively, it's where we talk about the numbers now and, and things shift in their serial from one game to the next. Yeah. Um will Cal's defense now focus more on Jay Fair? Will other defenses put their best corner on Fair? And does that open things up more for Javarius or Shane or somebody else in the passing game? But the Jay Fair effect in the UMass game will impact the next game at the very least. 
Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point for sure. Uh, okay. Football season's here, mm-hmm. Brad. And as a mm-hmm. better with football season, you demand perfection. And my bookie delivers. NFL, college, they've got a brand new cash out system giving you options to bet and win big all season long. If the first two legs of your parlay hit, you can cash out early and use funds on another bet, or you can let it ride. That's what I always do for the chance at a bigger parlay. You can join my bookie, the my bookie family for an entire season filled with odd boosts, free bets and super contests. And this season, my bookie has no strings attached cash bonus that lets you deposit and withdraw quickly. Use promo code next round on a deposit of $50 or more. You can receive up to $200 in cash instantly to your, my bookie account. Use a uh, promo code next round to claim your cash deposit bonus you can bet anything anytime anywhere online with my bookie brad um one thing that i want to note that um nh3425 says auburn hasn't scored more than 30 points in the first half since akron of 2020 pleased with the o-line and receiver play let's talk about this o-line zach um a lot of guys coming in and out of the game, combinations on the offensive line. I know you and Daryl Dapperich talked a little bit about it in your Locked on Auburn uh, game sure. recap that uh, um, was distributed earlier today. Um, were you surprised that so many combinations were used in the first half? It was great to see backups and other guys get in in the second half of the game, but just your thoughts on how the O-line was utilized from a combination perspective in the first half. I was surprised we saw more than two. Mm-hmm. I thought we would see what they started with, which was Dylan Wade from left to right. Dylan Wade, Gunnar Britton, Avery Jones, Cam Stutz, Xavion Miller. And then I thought we would see Britton move to right tackle and we'd see some Jeremiah Wright. But man, Gunnar Britton is the key to this whole thing. He is the engine. And I thought yeah. it would be Avery Jones at center. And this isn't taking away from anything else. It's just praising Gunnar Britton. Because that's what Hugh Freeze did after after the game. Hugh Freeze was asked about him because he played three different positions. He had 53 snaps on offense. 27 were at left guard, which mm. is where he started. Yeah. 19 were at right tackle. And then six were at left tackle, which is... We all kind of... like. I think the casual fan will say, oh, well, it's just an offensive line spot, whatever. Like, no, that is extremely difficult to do, Mm -hmm. especially changing sides of the ball, going from tackle to guard, right tackle to right guard would be one thing. But switching the side of the offensive line you're on, it changes all of your footwork. It makes everything reverse. So very, very impressed with Gunner. But here's here's the quote that Freeze said when asked about it. He said, quote, I think it just speaks to his importance to us. He needs to be on the field, and we need to stay fresh because we like to go fast. And he gives us freedom to move some puzzle pieces around because of his flexibility. He's really invaluable with that. And it's hard to argue with how he performed yesterday. It is. Um, and when you look at Robbie's touchdown runs, I, now this is, I'm stepping out a little bit, but I have a pretty high degree in confidence in this. Uh, they're to the side that Gunner was out leading the way. I would, I would almost guarantee that's the case for all three of them. I need to go back and confirm that, but I know at least on two out of the three, he he's the cog. And you're right; it's very difficult to do. He was on Tiger Talk with us last week, okay. And I I kind of asked him about the like I said, teach us a little bit about what it's like, what are the differences in the positions, and he said it's a lot about the guy you're going up against. 
because the defensive end or an edge rusher, you know, maybe an outside linebacker in a three, four, those guys are going to be a little leaner. They're going to be much faster and it requires a different skill set. And by the way, it's an entirely different set of film prep and study. What does the defensive end like to do? Where does he like to make his first step? Does he try to spin? Does he try to swipe versus those big guys on the inside? If you're playing one of the guard spots, if you're having to pull, your footwork is obviously different. It's just it's not easy to do. And the last time that Auburn had that versatile of an offensive lineman, I go back to that 2017 line where Great they had Smith. a couple of guys who could yeah. who could switch around and move. Yeah. Kramer asked, is our line out of shape except for Gunner? No, I would not say that's the case. So Gunner did have the most snaps of any offensive player for Auburn on Saturday at 52. But Dylan Wade and Cam Stutz, the other two two other starting offensive linemen, they both had 47. The starting center, Avery Jones, had 45. And, the, uh, and then Xavion Miller had 40. And so, I mean, all of these guys still had more snaps than any of the running backs, any of the wide receivers, than any of the quarterbacks, which is a little unique because Auburn ran so much with Robbie Ashford yeah. on Saturday. So, no, no, I, I would not say that's the case. They probably just kept him in the longest as they were slowly trickling in guys with the second team and so on. Um so once again, this isn't tearing anyone down. It's just right. praising how impressive Gunnar Britton was on Saturday. Yep, no question about it. And uh, Kramer, thanks for joining us. Giddy up. Um, so that's a Seinfeld reference, Zach. Seinfeld was a show in the late 80s and in the 90s. Brad, Jerry, Jerry's voice is in my ears all the time. Let me tell you what. We have watched the B-movie Three and a half times today. Do you do you know Jerry Seinfeld from the B movie and not from the actual? Uh, no, I, I know who he is, but my child is obsessed with the B movie right now. Okay. Obsessed with it, <laughs> and so I hear Jerry all the time making a legal case as a B, as one yeah. does in the B movie. So nice. there we go. Right. There I've we not go. seen the B movie, but uh, dude, you are missing nothing. It's <laughs> terrible. It's awful. This is my least favorite phase that she's gone through as far as what she wants to watch. So there we go. There we it. go. Um, okay. Can, I, can yes. I make another point about the offensive Please, line? Please get us All away right. from uh, Jerry Seinfeld. 44 rushing attempts, 289 yards rushing. Nobody had double-digit carries for Auburn in the game. That's delicious. That is consistency along the offensive line. Um, it's an awesome plan. By the way, the game plan, and I know you don't draw up the exact number of carries, but the way the game played out, and the attention to making sure not to overextend somebody in this game, again, speaks to the big picture vision of the coaching staff, even within an individual game. Um, I saw a chart today. Auburn was 25th or is 25th to this point. We've got several teams that still have to play their week one games. But right. um, 25th in yards per play and seven or eighth in the country, only seven teams better at points per play Auburn like 1.07 points per play uh and again you don't do that without a consistent offensive line and with guys rotating and playing different positions different combinations uh to be that productive says a lot about the line yes and i'm not the only person who has seen b movie uh evidently um yeah he Another thing about the offensive line, let's talk about the pass protection, which was exceptional. They did not allow a sack. No Auburn quarterback was sacked against UMass, which yeah. is incredible. But here's something that I think is even more wild. 
Auburn allowed four hurries against UMass on Saturday. Tyler Johnson allowed two of them. Not a starter. No. Jeremiah Cobb allowed one. Not a starter. And a freshman running back picking up a blitz on his his first. Yeah. Brian Batty allowed one. Okay. Not his role. That is not why he was brought in. And Rivaldo Fairweather allowed one which we all knew his weakness is blocking. He is a receiving tight end. I didn't say any offensive line in the two deep. Right. Uh, You also didn't have any pre-snap penalties from the offensive line either. In a game one, that's pretty wild. Yeah. It's pretty wild. No question. Look, we were excited about this offensive line. We knew it was improved. Everybody who looks at it um, said that it's, it's better. But to go and play that crisp, again, the caveat, it's UMass. Okay, fine, got it. It's a first game. And to be that locked in, that that means good things ahead. I mean, we talked about this a little bit last week. Like, Saturday was not about UMass. We knew that going into it. Saturday was about Auburn. Is Auburn going to do what they're capable of doing? And they did that, Brad. They didn't play with their food. What did we hear all week? uh, I think you predicted that we would not cover, right? Like I I did, yeah. Most people said there's no way Auburn wins by 35. And it's like, they should. They yeah. should, though, because UMass stinks. And so Auburn went in. They did what they were capable of doing. They covered. They won by more. They should have covered by even more because of that that late touchdown by UMass. But th- this is a team that was significantly better, and they did it. I mean, how many times have we seen Auburn play these teams that stink, and they win 27 to 10 or something like that? Yeah. And, you know, they don't really move away and go up three scores until the fourth quarter. It, it, they they lined up, they played football, and they won. And yeah. they were better every single down with the exception of uh, the, UMass's first drive where they marched it down the field. They were better every single possession yeah. after that, Brad. And that was, to me, with it being about Auburn and not UMass, that was my favorite thing. And that starts up front on yeah. both sides of the football. We'll talk about the defensive line later throughout the week, Brad. But that, to me, is what it was all about. And uh, the big guys up front, this revamped offensive line is, um, I mean, it's 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 going to change this team for the better. There's no question about it. Yeah, no question. Uh, Sam says, I am on vacation in Southern California, a restaurant I was at for lunch in the hotel. I'm at had Auburn on all the TVs. Shocked to see Auburn on the West Coast. Tigers are coast to coast, baby. Well, for some reason, that game was on ESPN. Yeah, that's true. You know, Good like point. that. Kind of odd. Uh, Sam, glad you're able to see him. That's awesome. Uh, uh, before we continue here, Zach, yes. as we've said, football's back. It is. Are we all excited football's back? Yeah, a little bit. Yes. Uh, if you need some plays, would you go to lanceslock.com, uh, get the best price on monthly packages, annual packages. Now's the time to do that. Sign up tonight. Look, we're live, live, all the way live. So go tonight and sign up at lanceslock.com. Dot com. If you used them this weekend, you'd be having a even better weekend than you're already having. So, it's true. You'd have more money. Out. You'd be more rich now than you were a few days ago. That's exactly right. So there's that. There's that. Yeah, we're live coast to coast. The Sam is broadcasting us in California, which is awesome. <laughs> um, the star position on defense or the more common vernacular of it is, is, is nickel. Yeah. yeah which was Donovan Kaufman and Keontae Scott. And they were incredible. Mm-hmm. Brad, they were incredible. Those two guys, we talked about this Ron Roberts defense having to send everybody. And I think they're going to kind of have to 
out of necessity because I don't think Auburn's got the pass rushers to, to compete at a high level, but we'll yeah. see. But you're going to have to trick people with scheme. And boy, if those stars continue to rush the passer mm-hmm. and get a step on the snap like they were able to uh, in the opener against UMass, oh, yeah. man, I, just the stress that puts on different parts of the offense, whether it's offensive linemen, having to constantly look around and say, okay, is he coming? Is he coming? The call's coming from inside the house, but I don't know what room. There's a lot to go on. You've got to communicate with the guy next to you. And just from a quarterback standpoint, it's like, is this dude who's standing at the line that's supposed to be 10 yards off the line covering, is he about to come pop me? I just think it's going to have some psychological effects as well, the opposing quarterbacks, especially maybe younger guys who haven't seen that style of offense before. There's a lot to like about it. And Keontae Scott and Donovan Kaufman really reap the benefits of it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think Kaufman would be good in this role. I'm going to be honest, and I was mm-hmm. wrong. I thought Keontae Scott would benefit. I thought Donovan Kaufman would not be as natural of a fit in that position. And, and based off of what we saw so far, way wrong on my part. They both look great. Well, I, I, we we just didn't hear a lot about Donovan in the preseason. They said that they were he was getting more reps at safety, which I'm like, that makes more sense because yeah. I think he kind of, you know, I don't think the first step was really his strength. I think it was more of a mental thing. And man, his first step looked great on Saturday. Four tackles, including three solo, two tackles for loss, a sack, and then the the strip, the forced fumble. He was dynamite. And then Keontae Scott with four tackles, uh, two solo, uh, and a quarterback hurry in there as well. And then he was, you know, the the punt return, uh, Mm -hmm. which gave Auburn a short field on one of their possessions as well. Lightning quick. Um, Yeah, both, both of those guys I thought stood out. Um, for the way they were able to implement their roles in this defense. I'm excited to see, just like on offense, I don't think we saw everything in the book against UMass. You didn't need to. You shouldn't see everything in the book, with all Mm -hmm. due respect. I don't think we saw everything in Ron Roberts' book either. And so, you know, I'm excited to see their versatility play out in other ways. Yeah, they're going to have to to send dudes against Cal, I think, to get to the quarterback. Um, and, Terry's asking if Jalen McLeod played. He did not due to an ankle injury, is yeah. what I've been told. I believe it's an ankle injury for Pritchett yeah. as well. So. That's the other thing. Kay and Lee started the game for for all, with Pritchett out. Kay and he's, Lee, he's gonna be so good. Brad. Yeah, he's gonna be so good. You love corners. I you love corners. Baseball. I love corners. I've got Roger McCreary's beans behind me. Um, <laughs> For those really who do. please show, you're gonna have to do. You gotta show them. I really do. People could take that too many ways. Roger McCurry gave me those at SEC Media Days two years ago. There you go. There we go. Um, Love it. No, I, I'm a big fan of what Kane Lee brings to the table. I'd rather have Nehemiah Pritchett and then Kane Lee. It's a third corner. Yeah. But the fact that he they were able to start him against uh, against a, a team that he's way more talented than I thought it was probably a good experience for his, uh, his development. So that, that may have been a blessing in disguise. We'll see. Yeah. I, I think with Pritchett and McLeod in the lineup, again, more possibilities. You saw the depth against UMass because those guys weren't available. You also saw Keldrick Falk. How good is Keldrick Falk? He's great be before he's finished. And I saw a few people, saw a few people in uh, one of the message boards saying like, man, I thought I expected more out of Keldrick Falk. Keldrick Falk had the third highest grade, um, according to Pro Football Focus, of all Auburn defenders. He had a 74.4 in his first ever college game, which is 
delicious. He played 13 snaps, and he had nine pass rush snaps, and he totaled uh, a quarterback hit, which is exceptional, and he had two tackles. And, like, such a small sample size. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you could look at that and be like, yeah, I thought he'd be better. And that's pretty dang efficient. I mean, when he's on the field, um, one out of three plays, he was impacting the play, which is awesome as a freshman defensive end. I put my binoculars on him uh, a lot when he was in the game and just kind of isolated. And even, man, the plays that he wasn't a part of, they're either just going away from him and he's he's not close to it, or he's cut block and he's he just – but even then you felt like, man, the quick first step that he has yeah. is really the only chance to neutralize him. Yep, that's right. So, that's right. Uh, let's talk about the tight ends just for a second, then we'll okay. uh, go to questions, and then we'll um... – I'll go watch FSU LSU. So the tight end situation, Rivaldo Fairweather did not have a good game. Um, he didn't record a catch, and he was the se- he scored the second lowest of all offensive players when you look at the analytics. He scored a thirty-seven point eight. It's out of a hundred. It's not very good. Mm-hmm. And he he played thirty snaps. So like that is just not an ideal thing, but. Like we said, his strength is pass catching, and he wasn't involved in the passing game. The assumption, the glass half full way of looking at this, Brad, and yeah. I'll let you jump into this, but it, you know, is really they'll use him more against Cal. You know, why why show him all of that? I, I guess is the glass half full way of looking at it is maybe they're saving him. Well, and Coach Freeze didn't say specifically about Rivaldo, but he did say that they didn't show everything offensively. Um, you could tell that it was a, a pretty basic vanilla offensive game plan, especially when you go, I mean, you're up 31 to seven at halftime. You do the smart football play. Big picture is to slow the game down. Right. And they were, they were running the play clock down to five seconds early in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter. I looked up with, with like 14 minutes to go. And I turned to the guys in the booth. I go, guys, we're going to try to go for a 10 minute drive here. And I thought that that's what they were going to try to pull off. But, um, yeah, I expect to see Fairweather targeted against Cal. Mm. I expect to see that immediately. Like, that's the next page in, in the playbook. We yeah. just didn't get to that page when the game was in the balance yesterday. Um, that's the first thing I expect to see more of. Um, I, Jair Shorter didn't get a lot of targets either, but that's a, a separate. Did he get one? I don't I'm not know. sure he got one. Yeah. I don't so think that he did. Would, that would really be not many. Um from a tight end perspective, I'll tell you that I'll tell you who got more snaps than I expected, and I was really happy to see it. And that was Brandon Frazier. Brandon sure. Frazier looks like a monster truck with legs. All right, He's big. He looks like Bigfoot and Gravedigger uh, with an eighty-seven on his on his jersey, and he's in there. He was in there with uh, Tyler Fromm and with Luke Deal a lot in two tight end sets, and they cleared paths. They cleared a lot of space. For the running backs and for Robbie in the game. So um, clearly he's a guy who has said, don't forget about me. I will have a role in this tight end room. He may not catch four passes this season, but he's going to move some bodies. Yep, se- 17 snaps, 17 snaps for, uh, for Frazier. Yeah. And look, the, the Brandon Frazier's of college football are going away. Yes. Right. With, with the transfer portal, this is a dude who's now on his third head coach, if I recall correctly. I think he came here at the end of Gus, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's on his third head coach in his time at Auburn. But 
He's like, I like Auburn. I'm just going to chill here. I'm going to chill here. I mean, he's been a candidate to enter the portal every window that's opened up, and he stayed steady. Yeah, He stayed loyal, and this coaching staff and his efforts are being rewarded, which I think is really, really cool because you're not seeing a lot of these guys, guys throughout college football anymore. You know, the, these dudes that stick around and are okay with being the fourth tight end and being okay with, with being a role player and getting these 17 snaps as an upperclassman, uh, props to him. I think that's pretty cool. And by the way, if you have some questions for us before we before we finish tonight, just drop yeah. those in. Drop the them in. We'll Let's go. Yep. Um, we're, we're about ready to do that. Um, but and I'll make this final comment about Brandon Frazier. He reminds me an awful lot of guys like Brandon Johnson, who was the fullback on some of those early 2000s teams. Mm. He reminds me of a Jay Prosh uh, from the early Gus teams. Just a guy who will get in, do the dirty work, won't get the glamorous part of the game. Again, sure. won't catch a half a dozen touchdown passes, but doesn't mind getting in and just, you know, get, getting in, rutting in, moving some guys around and doing what's necessary. And I, I think that this coaching staff has done a nice job. If, if yesterday's game is any indication, and if even the fourth team tight end is going to get 17 snaps a game, and they're meaningful snaps. They're not coming on the last drive of the ball game. Yeah, um, it, it's it's real easy to buy into that and stay in the boat. Um, all right, Crunk Monster asks Zach. Before we continue, is Brad Boogan? Yeah, sure am. Good. Sure am. Good. I'm glad we set the tone for that quick. <laughs> um, Make no bones about it. Terry asked, "What's y'all score prediction for versus Cal?" Terry, I don't know if I'm quite ready to do that. I got to watch them. I haven't watched them play North Texas yet. I got to watch that game. And um, we got to hear about their quarterback situation, too, if he's going to play or not. So I think it's going to be close. I think whoever I pick, it will be within 10 points. Okay. Um, I think it'll be Auburn as of right now, and it's going to be high scoring. But I I'm not quite ready to take that yet. Brad, are you? You, you think high scoring? I think I think in the 30s yeah. for both teams, okay. yeah. Woo. What an entertaining Pac-2 after dark game, or ACC after dark game that will be. I guess you're right. Uh, it will be ACC after dark. That's weird, dude. Woo. It's weird. Um, yeah, I don't think I'm quite ready. No, uh, Terry, no, Terry doesn't really think it's going to be 63 to 27, does he? That's a lot of points, Terry. Uh, I've never known Terry to lie. Terry thinks more points against Cal than against... UMass. I'm all for it. I'm I will all say for this. It. Cal struggled against North Texas, giving up big passing plays. Mm -hmm. And Justin Wilcox said as much after the game. So we're still trying to work on it. It's easy to say it's hard to do. And it could be if Auburn, if they key in as you would have to, like if you're Cal defensively, you have to sell out to try and stop the run. And that gives Peyton Thorne and these receivers and Rivaldo Fairweather a chance to make some big plays. In the passing game. Yeah. So. Lucio says, I think Auburn wins by 50 plus two. Man. What? Brad may be booging oh. not near as much as you guys are, which I'm for. I'm all about it. I will say this. I won't use the new clock rules as an excuse not to pick a high number going forward. Because what? Something like eight SEC teams got 40 or 50 or more points. Yeah. This weekend. Don't think LSU will get there tonight. Not the way they've started, but um, 
That's a lot of points in games, and I just frankly didn't think it was going to – I didn't think the scoring would be that prolific. NH says, Ooh. do you all think Shane Hooks or Jay Fair has a higher ceiling for an outbreak here this year? This is a no-brainer to me. It's a no-brainer Shane Hooks' direction. You think I think so? Jay Fair is going to be your, your, your steady slot guy mm-hmm. that has a similar stat line every game, five catches, 50 to 60 yards. Okay. And I think Shane Hooks is a dude who can moss a few guys and go three for 80. Um, so, yeah, I'm going, I'm going Shane Hooks. They tried to target him six times. They got it two times. There's going to be a game where he gets four of six, and he may have 100 yards from that. So, yeah, I'm going I'm going to go Shane Hooks here. That, that's fair. If you just look at the averages from is one Is it Jay Fair or just fair? Uh, that's, yeah. It's fair <laughs> to talk about that. Hey, look, you got to be fair to fair, all right? You got to be fair to fair. And, uh, you know, Hollywood averaged 20 yards a catch and Fair averaged 11 yards per catch. Uh, Those aren't going to stay, obviously, the same throughout the year. But, yeah, uh, one or two more catches and and Hooks has the edge there. Yep. Kramer says Jay Fair looked like a future pro. I think Jay Fair approaches the game like a future pro. I agree. I absolutely agree to that. I I interviewed him after the game in the locker room. It's the first, first time that I've talked to him extensively. And he is very focused and business. He's impressive. Yeah. He's impressive. Um, NH says California hasn't been relevant since Marshawn Lynch was there. And yes, I know Jerry Goff went there. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It wasn't just Marshawn. They had that Aaron Rodgers guy and Deshaun Mm -hmm. Jackson on that team too. (laughs) In fact, how did they not win a natty with those guys is probably the better question. You know, Eric Keesaw uh, recruited uh, Marshawn Lynch to Cal. Yeah, he like played video games with him or something. Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah. He, I just didn't talk football with him, and he loved me. And I'm like, <laughs> shocker. Yeah, maybe you should have. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Uh, thank you all so much for coming in and checking yeah. out our first live edition of Village Vice. But, Brad, I think that'll about do it. Yes, it will. We will uh, be back again next Sunday night. Of course, we're with you throughout the week here on Village Vice three more times before Auburn takes on Cal. Uh, so make sure you like, subscribe if you're not subscribed. Please. And, yeah, and uh, we will see you next time. Just remember, Zach, everybody has vices. Make sure Village Vice is one of yours.